This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. We're kicking off a Thursday show of Kelly and Ramya, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're hanging out with us the entire two hours, well, then we appreciate your company. I'm Ramya Amadhan. Kelly McDonald is also here. And I thought we could talk about art a little bit, Kels. Not art uh, as in, you know, what like not, do you need like to you go know. to? Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, and also not the gallery kind. I'm talking about art at your home. Do you fancy yourself an art collector and or the other end of the spectrum like me, a complete minimalist with maybe one or two accent pieces that somebody somewhere may consider as art? Um, not a collector. I have uh, a picture or two that my parents had, both of them being deceased now, that I'd been given by my sister uh, when you know, kind of tearing down uh, my mom and dad's place. And maybe one is up, maybe two. Um, I have no issue with it if I knew how to set them up, make them look okay, and balance them right around. I, mm. I think that's great. And, but as for a connoisseur, someone that would go out and hey, I'll spend the money. I, I tend to like things. Like I have a couple of things my mom made when she was doing ceramics years ago. And that's art. That's, uh, you know, some form, of course, um, but more of a personal. But would I go to a gallery and, I'll pay 500 for that picture, I'll take it? No. No. I looked at some of the prices for art when I finally started getting into it, by the way. Like, I've lived on my own for so many years, or I'd say outside my parents' home. And there were many, many opportunities, many, uh, you know, quiet remarks about, Remy, you should really start putting stuff on your walls. I was like, Why? I can't see them, so I don't really care. And I just was never into it. I'm also colorblind, so colors never what appealed to me in that stuff, sense. Though? Yeah, but that requires work, and I wasn't going to go out looking for art. You mean like dusting it? Oh, oh, oh! I thought you meant like dusting <laughs> all it. Of the above, all of the above. Honestly. Well, because there's yeah. a, a art gallery here that that in town, and they run their art shows and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people will go in, and there's sometimes mm-hmm. the abstract art that is there. Oh, it's gorgeous. And it's kind of neat to, it's if fun. you can to touch it or just to have it described to you. And I've been yes. in there dealing with theater stuff in there. It's a theater space as well. And, oh, you got a show on. And it's really interesting to learn about the things that people do and it how is. they do it and what they do it with. Right. But when you start putting things into your home, you're almost like saying, this is my style, right? And that to me mm. was too much pressure. I was like, I don't know what my style is. I, I, but... yeah. I think if you have too much, then, you know, like a pattern of something. Mm. But I think if you have a couple of pieces that are just color nice schemes, that people walk in. Right? Yeah, Sometimes people yeah. describe something into you and you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds like me. And then someone else will describe it and you're like, I don't think that's what I thought I got. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else we have coming up on today's show. Lots more conversation, as usual. We're talking about essential frozen foods with Mary Mammoliti. Things that we can't do without, Mary says. She's got some top picks for us. I love it. Art to food, too, on Accessible Gaming with Marcus McCracken today. We dive into the newest NHL video game and some of its accessibility features or maybe lack thereof. And all things under the sun may come up on our weekly roundtable when Kelly McDonald facilitates, brings us some topics, and by us, I mean myself, and Brock Richardson will be joining us. Yes. 
Yes. Okay, here's something we found from the Canadian press. Researchers at Toronto Metropolitan University have found Canadian tech workers are paid 46% less than Americans. The study by the university's The Deus Public Policy Institute found a typical tech employee in Canada makes $83,700 a year, compared with $122,600 for workers in the American tech sector. At least 10% of that gap is due to more Canadian tech workers being part-time or not working the full year. The study also looked at gender gaps, finding the typical male tech worker in Canada makes $86,600 a year, Female tech workers make just 74000 Don Kelly, The Canadian Press, Toronto. Huge gaps, in my opinion. Do they stand out to you as huge gaps still, Kells? Or, you know, are you able to do more of the comparison of, well, you know, we're far from where we were at least 10 years ago? I, I want to believe more than anything that we're, we're far. I think, I think there is in certain areas of it, right? And... I know I've always heard, especially when we try to adjust this for, for minorities, for um, different people to kind of make sure they're in school, they're hire, being hired for jobs, that kind of thing. So I always like to feel there's some difference, but we know a lot of time there's still that, hey, how come? And I think I feel it's still not moving fast enough because we know so many people in the disability world that struggle with getting into school, struggle with school, struggle with work. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of this kind of conversation where we're comparing uh, place to place or like location to location, as well as different industries, different sectors of employment. Uh, but then always there is the, the gender inequality and um, pay equal pay for women and men. Uh, we, I feel like there's so many nuances we can get into with people of color, marginalized communities. Also, what tech jobs, right? Like we're very, mm. you know, able to kind of just sweepingly say that this is the tech sector, but that includes yeah. a lot of people and a lot of different experiences and yeah. schooling and, um, you know, general like experience levels. Schooling also can be an area where oh, yeah. it may be held against you, where you went where, and the, the viewpoint of that particular institution. You know, is it recognized? Is it one of the top schools in especially tech field? Save some of this. We'll talk about it on the roundtable. Oh, will we? Oh, look at that. Sometimes well, I wonder... Could. Sometimes I wonder if my clips that I pick in segment one will be brought up as a hint for a roundtable. Like, oh, we would have talked about it on the roundtable, but alas, Romeo stole it. We're going to take a break. It right out of there. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a break and come back with more tech. We're discussing, continuing to discuss, accessibility improvements to iOS 17 with Mike Fair. He's got so many notes and he's so generous because he's going to share it all with us after the break on Kelly and Romeo. You are back with us. It's Kelly and Ramia on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. And Kels, I've been getting all the emails from Apple, you know, and from Fido and from all other service providers that I'm not even associated with, just telling me that uh, $0 iPhones are now available for my purchase. And I'm just thinking they're just tempting me. Non-stop. I've been seeing the uh, two-for-one everywhere. Yeah, for one. It's been ridiculous. You know, where you one, get what? one, pay for one, and then you get a second iPhone. Get out. Yeah. I didn't even know that was and, a thing. And, and I'm Why talking would you 15? need two iPhones? It's not a 15 plus, but a 15 for the other member of a family oh. or, you know, something like that, like partners. You guys deal with and splitting the costs on your own. <laughs> Exactly, and fight over the which one gets the plus <laughs> and which one gets the 15. 
<laughs> That's a savage move from these guys. I well, it is because there's a, there's noticeable difference for now enough to make someone say, well, no, yes, I'll take yes. the 50, I'll take the plus. Yeah. No, 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 it's my account. Yeah, when you're hanging it's out. It's our with, account. It's our account. I know, we're on the family plan together. I pay the bills, That's you it. pay for the phone. Um, <laughs> when we're talking to Mike Fair, especially on a weekly basis about these iPhones, he brings us up to speed on all the different comparisons and notes. Let's bring him on. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. So if I'm remembering correctly, we're now into fourth week of anything Apple. Is that right, Mike? Pretty much, yeah. This yes. is week four. And, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm still waiting for those iPhone deals from Rogers. Oh, I'll forward who, you uh, some of my emails. Who should be? They should be tempting me because I'm I'm now off my contract with them. Uh, so if they want oh. me to sign another two year contract, uh -oh. they could. Uh, They're not tempt paying attention. They're no, not paying attention. Well, yeah, it's uh, it, as long as the internet doesn't shut down again. That's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's right. Then you'll stay with them, right? <laughs> You're in a really great position to be, uh, you know, playing your power. So last exactly. week, Mike, we looked at some changes to voiceover in iOS 17, and now we're continuing um, on this tour with more improvements to accessibility. How, let's talk Braille. How can Braille users launch apps more easily without using the touchscreen? Yeah, they've just added this new thing, uh, and it, I've tested it out with my Braille display. And you can uh, basically uh, be on the home screens. So you have to be on your home screens of apps. And you start, you hit uh, the enter combination, which is a, a space bar and E. Uh, so dots one, five. You have to hold them down together. And then you, you start, you type in the first characters of an app's name. And you can scroll through a list of apps that are found that match what you've typed. Find the app you want. And... Uh, when uh, the the app that you've selected will have cells on either side, like full braille, it's like it's bracketed by two cells, and that tells you that you've got the right app. Then you just do another enter, so another uh, you know uh, a space bar and E, and you can then uh, the app will just open. So instead of having to flick around on the screen, if mm. you really don't like doing that, that's another approach to getting at your apps. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, I just love some of these ideas. Okay, so with that in mind, loving the ideas and continuing their way of thinking, how has Apple tried to make certain that Braille displays are much more easy connected? Yeah, this is, especially for deafblind people who really rely on their Braille being available, you know, mm -hmm. what can happen is they can become disconnected and you might not realize that your Bluetooth is off. So one of the things they want to, you know, eliminate from the, the panic of oh my gosh, my Braille display is disconnected, is the whole mm. idea that Bluetooth has turned off. So they have it so whenever you can have a setting, it's in the Braille settings, and uh, you set it so that whenever voiceover starts, a Bluetooth is automatically turned on. And that way, you, if at worst, you can, have to, you can turn off voiceover, turn it back on, and you can do that with the accessibility shortcut uh, if you've set that up. And then you'd always know that Bluetooth was at least on. And then you could you know, proceed from there to connect your Braille display. So, yeah, at least it, it eliminates some of the complication from doing that. And, and uh, so that, I think, is a good move. Yeah. Uh, the other thing they've, they added is a sleep uh, setting. So if in, for each Braille display, 
uh, if you go over to the more info, uh, uh, which you get to the name of the Braille display, the choose your Braille display dialogue, and you flick down, you get to more info, you double tap, and you can set this so that it cut it turns off uh, if your iPhone is locked, and then oh. that puts your Braille display in standby mode, and, and you'll be saving battery on your iPhone and your Braille display. The only catch is uh, I would use that with caution because the uh, you know Apple has it's there are a lot of different Braille displays, and there's no guarantee that they'll come back all the time and connect smoothly. So I would really be hesitant to sort of put that. I would try it with your display in a safe period of time when you have the ability to uh, to reconnect things and aren't rushed. Mm. You know, test it out first before you use yes, it in yes. every day. You, yeah. you would, yeah. I'd imagine, Mike, in time you'll see some of that, obviously, on the forms out there as to which ones seem to be really good for handshaking with, with your Apple. Equipment. I would hope so, mm-hmm. yeah. And also, yeah. like, we take it for granted, right? The, you know, magic connection or whatever Apple calls it when your AirPods just come on and off with your um, Bluetooth on. But we take it for granted that we can just turn Bluetooth on Anything. and off manually, yeah. yes. Yep. But if you're using and a you know a communication device or an interaction device with your iPhone that is necessary as your default and not your your fingers and your voiceover, then uh, yeah, you're really put in a predicament if it's not connecting properly. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is cool. What is sound curtain? Yeah, sound curtain is like screen curtain for Braille users. So basically what this does is, you know, you might be deafblind and using Braille and being on a Zoom meeting, and you might not realize that your iPhone is playing an annoying sound, right? right. And and you'd have no idea because you can't hear. Right. And everyone else is annoyed, and you're like, what? You know, <laughs> right? You, you <laughs> or your private information is going out there. Me? Yeah. I did what? Or, yeah, music or something, right? right? So yeah. this basically shuts off all sound uh, when you activate this, including voiceover speech. So uh, don't do this lightly, right? Um, you know, uh, it warns you of this in advance. So you're, and, and when you try and activate it, it'll say, are you sure this is what will happen? And the only way you're going to get speech back is disconnect your Braille display so mm-hmm. that the speech comes oh. back. So as long as your Braille display is connected, you know, you, uh, you would have to use Braille to, to turn off screen curtain. You could do that too, actually. Is there a but, customization and, where you can turn sound curtain on and off manually uh, without uh, having it automatically? Having to flick through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could, you, could, uh, flick, um, you could create a shortcut, I believe, to, to uh, do that, to activate and deactivate screen curtain. Yeah, that because would be what if you command. want it off while you have yeah. the Braille display on? For a particular Especially yeah, if you're exactly. getting some you assistance from somebody who mm-hmm. may be able to need hear or need yeah. the voice or need whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that should be in the commands. You'd find a screen curtain option, which you could then assign a keystroke or a key combination to. So you'd approach it that way um, uh, to customize it. And then that way you could just use that keystroke to you know turn it on and off. And yeah. so that that would be yeah. how you would and it might that, be so. in that combination with screen curtain that we use. Maybe you substitute it for sound curtain, or maybe there's a way of having both come on at the same time because you, you, you're using yeah. the display, right? Yeah, you'd have to really have have both available. I don't think there's any way of of, of uh, not having screen curtain no. available. So right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Mike, is there a way for voiceover users to take advantage of predictive text capabilities which have improved in iOS 17? 
Yes, actually, that's one of the big uh, changes there because they've introduced a, a, a transformer model of, of uh, language processing that runs on your phone. And uh, this is much, much better than anything that has been possible before. So all of a sudden, predictive text, which I've had shut off for ages, I might turn that on at some point and begin using it. So you can go into VoiceOver in verbosity settings in VoiceOver, and there's a predictive feedback uh, area, predictive text feedback. And what you can do in there is you can choose what happens when predictive text appears, like is available, and or when it's when it's actually entered, when you enter it. And you can have choices for both of those. And you can have it spoken or normally. Uh, you could have it spoken with a change of pitch, which is handy. So it differentiates between other things. You know, it's, uh, it's a predicted text. You can have a sound play uh, to to ch uh, to tell you that predictive text is available, or or the other that predictive text has been entered. So yeah. you can have those options on either end of the process and choose what's most you know, valuable to you when. Or neither. You can have do nothing, right? Have no feedback. So it's very customizable now in terms of what you are told uh, as you look at using predictive text. So that should help people and make it a lot less messy and you know annoying <laughs> to use. Well, that's exactly what it is. I don't use it because it's messy and confusing and mm -hmm. half the time I'm spending uh, erasing. Yeah. yeah, erasing things and figuring exactly. out. Uh, do you often use predictive text, Mike? No, I, I, I like right. I know what I want to say and I type it. <laughs> exactly. Use your brains. Come on. No, I'm kidding. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, no. It's just it, so funny how sometimes it works well with my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to like on paper. It's supposed to make things it, easier, faster. It, it will, right. and it learns. The other thing to keep in mind is it's supposed to learn as you use it, right? So it has to learn from you before it gets really good. So yeah. keep keep that in mind before you dismiss it out of hand. Patience. But yeah, yeah, like. Right off the bat, yeah, don't expect it to write master level stuff for you, right? You're gonna, you're gonna have to. It's gonna take a while to learn. Like you. you. Uh, besides, I leave it for six months. It'll be fine. It'll help right. you. You'll be able to just exactly. write this up for me. No, we thank you. How can people <laughs> using Braille um, use their physical keyboard to get to the uh, center of their what is it? The screen. Yes, yeah, this is easily. a new thing. And it's it. This is for everybody. It's it's uh, it, it, it's in the Braille settings and it's in the Voiceover command settings. Uh, and basically, what this is is a key uh, option that basically is in basic is all. You go commands, then you go all commands, basic navigation, and it, the option you want is move to move to item at center. So that's at the center of the screen. And why that's useful is in a lot of cases your cursor will be roughly in the center. So if you've left a document, you've gone to do something else, another app, you come back. You don't want to have to go to the, you know, normally you double tap to enter the edit field that could take you to the top of the screen. And you then have to, you know, go back and scroll down, down, down to where you were. Well, if you can get to the, you know, center of the screen and then use the activate thing uh, to get in, uh, you can do this without touching the keyboard now. Formerly, you'd have to touch your iPhone. I, I, that's how I do it. I touch the center of the screen yep. and then double tap. Uh, but this is, uh, you have to assign a keystroke to it because it doesn't have one by default. Right. So you go into the, uh, the commands and uh, you, you go to item at, uh, at center. Uh, and you can then assign the keystroke that you want. Uh, I use uh, uh, command E. Uh, or vo voiceover E uh, as my uh, choice, 
And you can just then go, it takes you right to that center place where your cursor's left, and you'll be right where you, you, you left off. So you still have to enter the edit field. It just moves yeah. there. It doesn't enter the field, right? So you still have to do that. It is helpful, it, right? The, yeah, it gets you to the center of the screen, and you can do it without you know, needing to use your phone, which could be handy if it's in a pocket or something. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for mouse users. Like, uh, it's so easy for people who can use uh, mouse or don't have to use like um, vision substitution technology to just click the enter the the middle of the screen and just figure it out. But there's just exactly. no option, or not that and I know. This way, yeah. it gives you the, it, it'll do the centering for you exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. Very handy. Okay, cool. Um, well, we're gonna wrap there. And are we continuing to talk iOS next week? Is there anything more well, you want to talk? We're we're getting awful close to Halloween, and I think it's I time knew to it. gears for a bit. Yeah, so I we're felt it. Do that. I felt it in my bones, Michael. I, I think yes, into your your skeletal bones would that yes. be? Uh-huh. Yes, we have we have uh, a triple Halloween, uh, at least three weeks here of spooky wow. stuff to to unload on people. So yeah. every year we step <laughs> it up during the summer audio entertainment fun and the Halloween audio entertainment fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> Everything minus playing the actual stuff on air. Thank you so much, Mike. We'll talk to you next week. All righty. Mike Fair joins us on Thursdays weekly for a tech talk or an audio entertainment talk. And all of these new capabilities we talked about for the new iOS, iOS 17 can be found there. It's available when you update your iPhone. A lot of the settings and commands and different uh, verbosity features and braille features and such were discussed today. So as I say, use the search feature on your settings Mm -hmm. so you can continue exploring. After the break, we have What in the World with Grant Hardy and a Danish artist lost a multi-legal battle with the museum over an artwork that was a little too ambitious, they say. So we're going to bring that up because we're continuing the art conversations as well here on the show. This is Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. We're back with you. This is Kelly and Ramya, and we're here until 4 p.m. Eastern time or whenever you're listening to this. It might be on a podcast. It might be on a repeat of the show. So maybe it's not 2 or 4 p.m. where you are and when you're listening. But we just, um, over the the last little bit of talking to Michael Fair, mentioned Halloween, which reminds me, I don't have a Halloween costume yet. Kelly, you've been prepared. You're not going to tell us, though, right? Absolutely not. Oh. Whether I am or not prepared, that is. <laughs> yeah, right. Remember, I have he said has, Halloween okay. is my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I and even every year you go hard. Yesterday, a little, not not really, especially since the you know the pandemic home studio kind of thing. But mm. AMI really goes after it. We've had people on when we have the Halloween contest, and people get judged on their costumes. They count the jelly beans thing and stuff yeah. like that. And, and because people are scattered all around, folks, we've tried to be innovative and find different ways. So Fedora's pumpkin off carving. for the team that does all that. Yeah, they've done the pumpkin carving. I remember when Billy and them did a did one and. Um, I think it's really cool that we can include, especially with technology, those pictures of the staff members and, and, and that wherever they are, and anyone can feel a part of it, so especially now that we've got so many apprentices on board. It's just a good time, and AMI has fun with it. So mm-hmm. let's see how much that fun extends to this here show, right? 
Did sure. you say you were off to Value Village or something after I, the show? I costume, can't or? confirm oh, or deny that? about my <laughs> costume situation either because, you know, yeah. That's right. That okay. would be telling. Don't ruin surprises. Okay. Oh, yeah. Every two weeks, folks, we get a real surprise because we never know what kinds of things are going to make us chuckle and how much. Let's bring on Grant Hardy for What in the World? Do you want to know about the craziest stories news has to offer? Look no further than What in the World with myself, Grant Hardy, where I explore the most preposterous, comical, and mind-boggling stories from all across the globe. Well, Mr. Hardy, welcome back to the program from your location in BC. Nice to have you <laughs> My on home board. studio. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. 24 hours later, they're at it again. Are we going to air quote it every time now? <laughs> yeah. Quote, oh, no. studio, unquote. Um, how are you today, pal? We're hanging in there. It's Thursday. Is that right? Yeah, it's Thursday. It's one in the so. world. It's almost yeah. the end of the week. Those short weeks just fly by. And anytime I can be on the show for what in the world is a good day. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Uh, we were discussing, are you a Halloween person? I'm not really, which is amazing <laughs> because a lot of Poor a Grant. lot of the people. Yeah, a lot of the people that I know and hang out with R and as you said it's always been a big thing for am i we have a photo of uh i think i was about four or five years old and i probably did older six or seven because i was in school and my mom had sent me off as a dressed up as a cowboy and apparently it looks super Ooh. cute except that i just have a huge scowl on my face <laughs> so i'm like this is i don't want to be in this picture i don't want to be i don't want to have anything to do with this so oh my god but oh. trick-or-treating was always fun though so yeah of course leave it to him right just like fun. like that's what in the world in itself like what the heck grant hardy <laughs> at halloween what a cute no cowboy way. but what happened to him? unpleasant cowboy man he must have just finished on a rough ride on the range and, and that <laughs> horse he must have been on the horse too long yeah true he's sorry <laughs> Grant, what do you have for us today, man? Okay, I'm just doing the final check that I want to share the story with you guys instead of keeping it as an awesome new business idea for myself. I guess I'll share it because it actually didn't really work out that well for the Danish, Danish artist involved. In fact, he was ordered by a Copenhagen court to pay a modern arts museum $500,000 because oh. they did not appreciate his creativity, which is just very rude, in my opinion. Now, <laughs> this all started with some pieces that uh, this artist originally debuted in 20, uh, 2007 and 2012. They were called The Average Austrian Annual Income and An Average Danish Annual Income. And uh, they actually contained the cash like the cash of what the annual income was and the the goal was for people to sort of think about it you know evaluate their lives you know uh however recently a danish museum commissioned a new exhibit for that similar kind of project and they actually paid the danish artist hunting the cash needed to create the exhibit but instead of re receiving a recreation of the original work they open the artwork to find two blank canvases with a new collective name take the money and run <laughs> so 
apparently wow. haunting uh the artist uh wanted to highlight how people were underpaid and their work was underappreciated and to encourage checkout staff to take from the cash register and run oh, in the same no. spirit. Uh, so the agreement was actually for the money to be repaid after the exhibit was completed. Haunting made it clear he was not going to do that. And how do we he know that? Lit- literally took the money <laughs> and ran. Um, how do you have well, such interesting money, right? perspectives mm-hmm. all in one artistic statement? You know, the the first part about underpaid artists, okay. And then you're like, and also, feel free to take your money from the cash I mean, register. It's, it's modern art. You, you commission a modern art exhibit. You have to respect their creativity and their autonomy, right? And this is just... <laughs> What he decided to display were those blank canvases. Just go under harm? That's right. No. Free yeah. expression. Imagine. Use your <laughs> Free imagination. Is right. What do you see there? Well, I'm blind. Put your fingers on the canvas. What do you feel? Ooh, I like it. Yeah. It yeah. probably took, like, it probably cost him this amount of money just to come up with this idea, you know? This mm-hmm. Over 10 years of sleepless nights, you know, trying to think of the perfect statement. And then it's like, ah, now I've got it. This get everybody in at the same time after they pay, get them checking out each canvas, facing mm. it, and then you grab the money and slip out the door behind them. Imagine! Close your eyes! Imagine! As you're 500k, though? That's what he has to pay back to the, <laughs> the gallery? Brutal. That's wild. That's, that's a lot. That's a, lot a lot of money for free Maybe expression. Maybe it's invisible ink, and he claimed that at some point, or paints or something, that at some point it would appear, and somebody bought it. I mean... No. <laughs> I mean, because it's art, you can kind of say whatever you want, right? Whatever you want. Guys, the oh, wrinkle there. God. Do you know what that is? That's a big river. <laughs> the biggest river in the world. It's the Milky Way. <laughs> That's great. I never even thought of this like tactile perspective. Now I'm even more indignant on behalf of this artist yeah, that they yeah. didn't like his work. Yeah, no, we should be. <laughs> We could put a bunch Those of dots, of and this, this is a formation in Braille, exactly. right? We're all outraged. You know, until the blind people show up, and then we know the gig's up. Oh, well, I'll be leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm sad to say, folks, I have a very tragic story of discrimination against a service animal to bring to you. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Uh-oh. we won't shed too many tears, but... Uh, Philadelphia Phillies fan and his emotional support alligator Wally <laughs> were denied entry into a recent game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Seriously, out of all the emotional support animals, I was thinking of alligator. Alligator. I know. Okay. Fan fan arrived at Citizen Bank Park, walking Wally the alligator on a leash and claiming the nearly five foot long animal was his service animal unfortunately it didn't really quite jive with the stadium's policy which only allows certified service dogs or uh service dogs training i i guess so that's the issue he uh didn't get the alligator certified you think it would be easy because whoever certifies all he'd have to do is show up with the alligator and say you can certify this get it away from me certify you better certify better certify this or else things are not going to be good uh yeah apparently the photos and videos have actually gone really viral uh and wally the alligator has a growing following (laughs) on social media platforms like instagram and 
Uh, I'm surprised. Instagram is the only one. Yeah. Of course he does. Only Instagram um, and TikTok? Okay. It seems fitting, though, actually, because I, I know it was a crocodile in Peter Pan that kept following the pirates and on all that or with the pirates or something i believe there's the association there and that's what i kind of find interesting that it was the phillies and the pirates i just wonder if there was a clock in this uh, game how many uh, uh how long did he have this gator around before uh they called it i wonder well it sounds did like he didn't it make it through the park probably got to the gates the, and oh said, no. yeah he didn't yep. even make it in no he didn't even uh, threaten any of the people at the gate oh. you know sick them there was nobody at the gate. They all got coming eaten. from a mile away, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they climbed out of the sewer and came to the game. We have at least one uh, member of the team, I think just one, uh, Beth, who has a guide dog. We need to talk about some ideas on how we can make our own guide dogs as intimidating as an alligator. Then again, it actually didn't work, which is yeah. amazing. So maybe that's the wrong idea. Yeah, no, yeah that's I true. think so. It's too aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have snuck it. And brought it inside, but like that would uh, be just completely well, ridiculous. If you right? had a full, had a five foot gator though, how do you hide him? Mm, this is my medication bag. It's in a big alligator suitcase. This <laughs> is an alligator suitcase here. Yeah, Walk sideways, fan. hanging onto him. Fans <laughs> might notice that your body is getting a little bit eaten. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and snapping, right? Snapping. Wow. Uh, One quick other animal story for you before we run out of time. A black and white male tuxedo cat is at the center of a custody battle after it turned up in a new state 10 years after going missing. Apparently, the cat was brought to an animal shelter in North Carolina. He was found outside outside a few weeks ago. Uh, Veterinarians scanned the cat for a microchip and discovered that uh, Carol Holmes, who lived in kansas was the original owner she actually had lost the cat bob 10 years ago when he mistakenly went outside ran away and a new owner in a different state has been looking after the cat ever since and in a surprise move don't know how i feel about this i guess it's the right thing the the new owner said that she did not realize the cat had originally been microchipped and they're actually returning the cat after 10 years to its original owner. Plus, I might add, putting in as much thought and analysis into this, if you read the article, as I think you would for a human child, uh, which is pretty interesting. Multi-state cat custody battle. Wow. Wow. Well, that's due to the chip, right? And the fact that maybe that was a service cat that went to school with Wally the service gator. Mm, there you go. All I wonder if wonder if we need to have like an international convention on you know missing cats mm, and and like a, what to do next step by yes. step. Mm. I mean, maybe people are. I would hope that people are nice about it, except in the TV shows because it makes for good content. But right, how do you really well, know, right? Well, the way we film everything now, life is TV shows. Too. Yeah, that's Even true. with Wally, the would-be uh, service gator. Yeah, legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, something tells me that Wally is not going to face the same problem. He's never going to go missing. No, say, this is a cute no, little no, tuxedo cat. Yeah, An elder is a tuxedo cat now, I think. And Wally has become quite the celebrity anyway on Instagram. <laughs> you say, yeah, he's got so. his own stardom. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Appreciate it, Grant. Yeah, glad I could uplift you guys after the service 
animal denial story. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> go paint. Do go do your invisible painting on your okay. uh, sheets there, would you? Thank Sounds you, pal. Good. All the stuff he's probably Stand got up, up on the art. wall behind him. He's yeah. probably got it all on his wall, and we just can't see it. It's it's all there behind him in his quote <laughs> studio unquote. Grant Hardy with What in the World right here on Kelly and Rumya. And after the break, the buzz with Bill Shackleton. One of the stories he wants to bring up is CBC and Radio Canada not carrying National Research Council, Council time signal anymore. Going to give us the details on that. We'll be back. At the tone, the time is. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Rumya on AMI-tv. I know we're already talking Halloween. Well, why not, right? Like retail Halloween is already happening. We that started after Labor Day, so we're kind of late. Say. We're late <laughs> to the convo. Exactly. Not just costumes, but uh, trick or treating. Are people like giving out chocolate and candy in your neighborhoods these days, Kyle? Do you know I, I, based on last? I gotta year? think. I, well, no, I don't know. Oh, because... is it like completely out of your radar? Because that's how I feel now that I don't trick-or-treat anymore when i un outgrew trick-or-treating i had no idea if stuff was still happening in my neighborhood like you oh, just yeah, feel I, out I mean, of the loop i'm sure and if you go here even and walk to the store or whatever you're going to see people crossing the street going mm. to another neighborhood that kind of thing i would imagine but oh no it's it's alive and i think last year this year there's just so much more of it because People have been inside and were reluctant and right. didn't want to take chances before. So uh, I'm sure you see. I, I don't know. I'd love to know about comparisons, especially parents who will say, well, when I was a kid and who have really gone out there almost every year for the last 40 years or whatever, 50 years, I'd love to know how much it's changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we know, you know it's changed, especially from year to year. Some of it was very, like, scary stuff, not just because it's bet. Halloween, but, you know, the No, but unsafe, yes. people yes. doing things they shouldn't be doing. Insecure. And then also people who just got tired of it and just put out your lights. Don't know. Yeah, no like, one's home. Remember when canceling Halloween was a big conversation? Yep. Oof. Yeah. And I remember years ago canceling it, and I'm sure uh, Billy will remember years ago the cancellations of it because they weren't sure what people were doing. The poison, yeah. people yep. were doing nasty things. Razors and, and all this other know, stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's really scary. Well, speaking of Billy, on Kelly and Ramia, we bring on Bill Shackleton for the buzz Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays to wrap up this first hour with him. And you got a couple stories for us, Billy, but any thoughts on that Halloween discussion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember the, well, there was a few things about Halloween used to be that nothing was wrapped. So you would yeah. get mm. candy in your, and, you know, and, and apples and this sort of thing. But the other thing is that the first time that I knew, heard on the radio that somebody had put a razor blade in an apple, it just shocked everybody. Yes, yes, yes. You would be so stupid to put a razor blade in an apple. And so dangerous. Would you keep Rice Krispie squares? Like homemade, um, oh, would yeah. you guys keep them, or did your family get rid of them? I, I, I don't think we. I kept didn't them. grow up in this era. Like when, when by the time I was trick or treating, it was only wrapped stuff. Yeah, there was no I, I homemade think, anything. I think when I was a kid, we didn't as much as we loved it and the idea, and I would break my heart. I don't think my mom would let me eat any really? of that stuff because it was oh, yeah. made, and we yeah. we hated it. We we almost like I used to want to tell people, please don't give me any baked goods because I felt so awful the idea and of going sucks. home and knowing. Yeah, that yeah. people, you know, would actually uh, genuinely make these things for kids, and it was norm, normal. Especially but older people, right? Because yes, that's yes. what they, at, goods, at the time yeah. when I was a kid, older, that's what they did. And then you'd have to, you know, take it anyways, but not have it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Billy, yeah. sorry, what else, did you, what else, Billy, do you remember? So the razor blade, unfortunately. Yeah, well, one of the things about living in, a, in, in an apartment or a condo is you don't get into the spirit because the candy is downstairs. Yeah. Usually, yeah. at least in my building, um, and you don't get the bang on the door. Not where I grew up in Scarborough. Oh, yeah, really? Everyone oh. was giving out candy, yeah. Yeah, we did like, it, too, in Montreal it, when I was a kid. I remember going and knocking on apartment doors on my way out of the building. Not and anymore, I though. back in and see if they forgot that I was doing, yeah. that yeah. I did it already. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the lobby thing was kind of new when I was growing up. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's, yeah. Way less potential for candy now? My goodness. All right, Billy, where do you want to go? You want to start with the CBC stuff? Well, yeah. The end of the long dash. CBC stops broadcasting official time signal coming from CBC News, of course. Why not? Beep, 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 beep. The time yeah, is, is 1 p.m. Depending on what's that? CHU Canada. Yeah, right? depending that's on the, your that's time. The code so. of, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what it was, eh? Um, yeah, I think that was the call letters, if my memory serves me correct. I think so. CHU? Yeah. 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 Um, they have announced um, that they will no, no longer be carrying this time signal. Monday was would have been the last time you would have heard it. Um, it was the longest-running segment on CBC Radio, more wow. than 80 years. Um, November 5th, 1939 was um, the first broadcast. Wow. And, of course, it and meant a lot. And stopped it this past Monday, Billy? Yeah, I believe that. I believe it was. Okay, and that was the one o'clock time, right? Wasn't it? When yeah, they, one o'clock. At the, at the, uh, every day at one o'clock, they did it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Depending on the time zone you were in, of course. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 But you know, it was a lot of things to people. Sailors set their instruments to that. It was used for navigation. Yeah. Railway companies used it, yeah. and Canadians just kept time it was like hey it's one it's 1 p.m but yep. of course you got to remember it was an era when there was no iphones or and and you know there was no atomic well they used atomic yeah. clocks but they were you know they people were not used something wind you up. could have a watch that yeah that's reached, right you know that that's was programmed right. by the atomic clock yeah um, uh, like the the uh, anchor or you know whoever the broadcaster was apparently shared a lot of memories yeah of lawrence lawrence wall um, as he said in an interview, people would recognize his voice. He'd get in, into a K, I recognize your voice from yeah. the time signal. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, yeah, and I is, guess it's... This is kind of an essence of what radio... I feel like it's more than just a time signal, right? Because it's an essence of what radio did, how radio it brought had a people purpose. together. It was a huge purpose, and it was a, a moment in time, quite literally, where people were getting together uh, across the country, at least in this uh, instance, and were able to tune into something at the same time. Like, it anchored people. And it was it, for something specific reason. Everyone had their reason for checking that out to set their watch or whatever in that capacity. Um, I remember as, as, as a kid getting my first Braille watch, and I remember actually setting my Braille watch at mm. 1 o'clock in the afternoon to that because we didn't have. Now, when I became a ham radio operator, I could go on and listen to the 24-hour cycle of the time, you know, the, 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 the actual, as I mentioned, CHU Canada time signal as we called it right yep. billy um yeah so you could right. easily go and do that listen at that point at any time but when i was first nine years old with my first watch there i was beep beep at the tone and the way it went 
Yeah, um, and it, it it did a lot of things. Like it it, it connected people. People, it, it, you know, there were stories in the article where people from around the world, um, you know, either X Games or yeah, mm-hmm. they they would tune in at night. They would stay awake and listen for it. What a staple. My well, Billy, yeah, I know we yep. recognize the Greenwich Main Time one. Um, the, we uh, the WWE yeah, in Colorado up in Colorado one. as yeah, well. These are right. other ones that did have the same purpose in a different way. But that was again for maybe the amateur radio operators, for a whole different crowd of people, not yep. the average person, like you said, setting their time because you know they're a conductor or they're because they've got this to do or whatever related, or a school teacher who just I need my accurate time or setting that that alarm or clock so that when you do hit your alarm you're you're really at the right time it was such a different reasoning and for so many different people what a piece of change uh-huh. yeah bit of nostalgia i guess you mm-hmm. could say but um, but you can recognize it's certainly done yeah, oh, yeah. the necessity oh, of it is gone like is 100 yeah. almost gone almost out of all assurities really it is something we don't need to have other than nostalgia a beautiful piece of nostalgia where else, hmm. Billy? What else? Ottawa police set up um, free trade zones for person-to-person um, sales and shopping. So basically what they're saying is they have set up um, three safe zones in Ottawa, which are marked clearly marked by a painting and a, and a, and a blue handshake. And basically it meant that um, you know, it's for people that do shopping on Kijiji uh, or, you know, that type of thing where you would go to the person's house. Well, um, they have decided, and I agree entirely, and I'm sure you do too, that it's not safe to go to a lot of people. You know, you're not going to go to a person's home anymore to do a trade. If I'm selling my motorcycle, the chances are you don't, you're not going to come to my house or you shouldn't to be safe. So these safe zones are specifically marked um, where in lighted areas where people can actually do some of these trades um, without running too much of a risk of being knifed or robbed or yep. something like mm-hmm. this. And apparently a lot of um, a lot of police services are doing this. There's only three but, zones. Do we know where they are? Yeah. Um, or how close I, together or how spread apart in the city? Um, okay. I don't know how, I mean, I wrote it down, but I mean, they're, they're, some of them I think are near police stations and some aren't. But the thing about it is that they aren't manned 24 hours a day. Yeah, cautious. But still, I think it's pretty safe. It's well, a it's a thing. better alternative than your house. Obviously, yeah. you know, this is not going to help if you have some giant piece of furniture that you're, uh, yeah, you they need true. to come pick up with a truck or something from your yeah, home. Yeah, that's right. But it does, though, it does address the fact that there's a lot more of this kind of stuff going on. So, you know, we like often actually encourage people check facebook marketplace before you go buy something uh you know firsthand or uh, that kind of secondhand shopping trading like all kinds of you know recycling reusing of other people's stuff and it's how important it is that we do this so we're not wasting and all this other stuff 
But yeah, the safety aspect is huge. Yep. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing. Having a neutral place, if you were going to do the market, meeting someone, just places where you could do that, feel okay, or people could find and drop off stuff and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, I, I think it's just amazing. Like, I mean, and when people would do things like garage sales, you still were bringing people into your place. You still brought people into your place who were only coming to take a look to case your place for a robbery later. Like, yep. you had no idea, but no, that's no, all that's you right. knew and what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, Billy, you want to do the last one? Well, actually, Gallaudet University um, in Washington, D.C. has developed a football helmet. Um, um, as specifically, by the way, Gallaudet is the only liberal college in the U.S. for the hard of hearing. Oh, so okay. they have developed a football helmet where when a coach calls a play, it shows up in sign language on the, on, on the player's helmet. So, of course... Um, without that, if you were a deaf player, how would you be able to understand what the, you know, because coaches call plays into their helmet, into the player's helmets. So how would you know without that, what the play was? So apparently this helmet was, um, was um, a year in the, in the making and um, the, the it's of course inclusion as we know, but it's also hopefully other players from other universities will will use this helmet and maybe more deaf people uh, students will play football with uh, so, like able-bodied individuals yeah mm, that's right inclusive games that's awesome yeah i love this i know we talk a lot of adaptive sports but i do enjoy uh hearing about and i think it's marvelous like the kinds of technology that allow people to just take part in conventional sport and uh, you know like in general, a lot of people, when they're playing at home, just playing for fun, playing growing up with disabilities, you often just take part in the sport with other people who are not disabled, right? Like you That's hear right. a lot of these stories of people playing soccer, blind people playing soccer just with their cousins and their friends, and they're like using plastic bags to wrap around their the ball or something so and you find that way to make it work we did that mm -hmm. a lot with hockey with yeah football oh yeah absolutely but then if you want to properly around. take part in a league you you can't or you won't you know if that if that technology is not available to you or if the sport is not adapted for you mm -hmm. but this is huge yep well and it's a way to do it without league changing anything i know when we wrestled at w ross the, uh, when we wrestled, we had to keep contact. As soon as we broke contact yeah, that's right. with the other wrestler, they whistled us down, tie, and we got back to the it's center. Not, yeah. So that, but that was just about as close because otherwise, everything else we had to execute, we had to do the same as the sighted kid we were wrestling. So it, that now when they wrestled each other, of course, they could break contact and retie up. Mm -hmm. They didn't get whistled down. It was just so we could have that starting place back. Exactly, Billy. Cool. Awesome stuff. Yep. Talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. All righty. Bill Shackleton joining us for The Buzz, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Check out this first hour and a wrap of it to get the Bill Buzz. After the break, we have hour two of the show. We got the weekly roundtable coming up where Kelly McDonald has picked some topics for myself and Brock Richardson. Also, Accessible Gaming with Marcus McCracken, and we're talking about the newest NHL video game with him, along with other things. But after the break, oh, what? With sports. Oh, look at mm -hmm. that. What are some essential frozen what? foods we just can't do without? Mary Mammoliti of Kitchen Confession is going to tell us that after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
We're back and kicking off hour two of Kelly and Ramya. And it's so nice to be on Thursday already. Week is just flying by. It's a short week. Kelly's back. Lots and lots of fun. And uh, Halloween talk today as well on the show. So we're mm-hmm. going to get right into another staple, which is food with Mary Mamaliti. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mamaliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, do you have your Halloween stuff figured out yet? Costumes. No. Not the No. No. Chocolates. I wish I did. So, um, but yeah, can I go just as a tired older woman? Mm-mm. Oh, sure. But you can sure. put on a onesie. <laughs> We'll I was just going to say, you don't have to do anything, right, Mayor? That's what you're going to say next. I'm just going to sit there at the door. I'm a tired old woman. Bring candy to me, kids. Oh hey, Mayor, do you, remember the days when, do you remember the days of cooking stuff? Did your family ever make things to hand out? We were talking about the fact that I wasn't allowed to eat those things. I would be given Rice Krispie squares and stuff like that. And yes. my mother, oh, isn't that nice from Mrs. So-and-so? We'll throw that in the garbage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was quickly discarded. It. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of, it was sorted out, discarded. Yeah, definitely. But, I, I mean, what's funny about giving out candy is that I actually get Frank to do it. Because I can't really see the bags. No, <laughs> the I, little that's what, that's buckets. what that's what I used to do. I used to miss when I was a kid once I got to the where I was too big, you know, like, oh, man, I can't go out trick-or-treating. I'll hand out candy. And the little kids would get upset when my candy would miss. You missed my bag, mister. <laughs> it's funny because Frank would put them into the bags and you hear me always, you're welcome. And <laughs> you participated. <laughs> you were like Santa's helper at, at, at Halloween. Um I, I used to feel so awful uh, uh, that I tried to console myself that I couldn't eat the Rice Krispie Squares. Somebody took time to make them. So I used to tell myself that my parents said, no, 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 you can't eat that. We don't know what they Go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Now let's get into these Rice Krispie Squares. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sure. <laughs> That's how Fingers crossed, yeah. We'll find out yeah. if there's needles or anything in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll never know. Mary, nope. we want to talk about frozen food today. I'm very yes. excited about that. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, this is a topic that I don't think we do talk enough. No, not really. I mean, we talk about it. Um, we've spoken about it with nutritionist Julia Carenches just because, you know, fresh versus frozen, affordability, mm-hmm. how to get your nutrition mm-hmm. in anyways. But yeah, opting for fresh produce is typically our preference, obviously, if we can afford it and all that other stuff. Uh, but right. time constraint, budget consideration, well, even seasonal consideration. Freezing is, exactly. makes a real big difference. Yeah. To, to buy frozen instead of fresh. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it does save you money because it's, like we said, less food waste. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're hanging on to that. And, and it just, you have everything handy. I mean, and again, we mentioned, whether it's a matter of personal preference, your budget constraints, whichever it is, the affordability of frozen food is just one of its advantages. Right? It, it also serves as an effective way to maybe minimize food waste, like we just said. Um, it ensures that we constantly have ingredients readily available. So when it comes to health and talking about the nutritional value, I'm going to leave that up to her, <laughs> up to Julie. But mm-hmm. for me, it's more of having those ingredients readily available and not having them spoil in my fridge because I haven't had a chance to get to them. Yep. Yeah. Or having um, to hurry right? and use them. Exactly. Absolutely. And then trying to think, okay, what am I going to make with these? And then you're eating the same mm-hmm. thing for about three days because you had to finish that, you know, those three things of broccoli 
Um, that you didn't want, right? Or, or, and at that time, exactly. you didn't have the taste for it. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, we mentioned veggies, they're intended to be, the ones that are intended to be frozen, they're typically picked at their peak ripeness, right? So that's when they're most, most nutrient dense. As compared to maybe produce that's intended to be sold, um, because it's fresh, it's picked at a less mature, less nutrient dense stage, right? So it'll last longer during that transport and that storage period. What I've done is I wanted to round up, I wanted to round up, I can't talk today. Honestly, this is gonna be one of those days where I'm gonna mess up every second word, but I wanted to round up some essential frozen foods um, that I like to stock up and have handy in the, uh, in the freezer and then tips on how to make the most of them. And the first one I wanted to talk about, I don't know if either of you love this one or hate it, but I love edamame. Oh, me too. Um, oh, me too. Oh, yeah. They're just so good in so many different ways, right? They're either, you can buy them either in the pod or potted. They're high in protein. They're a great addition to, let's say, noodle or rice bowls, stir fries, salads. My favorite is they make the perfect snack. I know. Because you steam them up, right? You steam them up, or you can even boil them if you want. Puts a little bit of olive oil. A little bit of lime juice, some red pepper, chili flakes, sprinkle some sea salt. They are delicious, mm. right? It gives that little I kind love of the sea salt. Oh my goodness! Yep. Sea salt on them are just perfect, even if they're just steamed with sea salt. So good. And I mentioned broccoli. Broccoli is also it's convenient and it's quick to prepare. So to have it in the freezer is definitely a plus. Uh, it can be served as a side on its own, added to soups, quiches, salads, in stir fries. Um, even roasted. The next I would say would be mixed vegetables, a little bag of mixed vegetables. Um, they're handy for stir fries, soups, uh, a simple side. But what I want you to do, try making something a little different with that. Try making a little mm. pasta primavera, right? It sounds so fancy. It's not, it takes two seconds to make. Um, it's the perfect shortcut because there's no washing of vegetables, no peeling, no chopping needed. Right. Just cook your pasta right? Saute the veggies with a little bit of olive oil, some fresh garlic in a deep pan. You want to put that over medium high heat because you want to get that nice and toasty. And then toss in the cooked pasta, reserve a little bit of that pasta water because you want to keep this, that liquid gold um, or maybe the tears of the pasta gods. <laughs> I like a that. Little, right? yeah. Yeah. A little, add the veggies, all of that together in a pan, a little bit of pasta water, a little bit of Parmigiano and some parsley. Honestly, dinner is ready in yeah. less than 20 minutes. And so it's, it's delicious. Know I'm not a big pasta person, but I will say yes. the way you describe this, the stuff we're putting into it, gosh, Mary, it makes it sound good and quick. Quick, quick. You know what? You could even try this with a little bit of rice, let's say, yes, if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Same type of deal. Just toss it in with some rice. Mm -hmm. Next, I want to talk about berries. Now, all frozen berries are great, but I specifically chose raspberries. Um, like all frozen berries, they're all frozen within a few hours of picking. So again, they retain all their nutritional content. But fresh raspberries, we all know this. They don't have a long fridge life. Oh. Right? It, to me, it seems like it's gotten even worse now. I'll buy raspberries. I get them, I get them home. And within a day or so, they're already done. Yep. Soggy. And, uh, yeah. and, and these are, they're great for cereal. You know, if right? you oh, yeah. in, just toss them in. Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. Absolutely. And, oh, yogurt and all that stuff. Yep. Mm -hmm. All that good stuff. Smoothies, uh, 
baked goods, oatmeal. There's so many things you can do with them. And that's the only reason why I would recommend all berries, but I just, if you wanted to choose one, raspberry would be the one that I would go with mm -hmm. just for that, okay. that whole reason of the fridge life. Butternut squash. This one's a good one. Uh, a lot of people haven't tried it. Some have frozen prepared squash. It's one of the most useful vegetables to have in your freezer. Mm -hmm. Now, especially when it comes to squash, because fresh squash, it takes time to prepare. Tricky to cut, especially if you're not confident with a sharp knife. So with a squash, it's versatile. It's great for soups, roasting, adding to salads, make a puree, or even, hear me out, as an addition, maybe to a little classic mac and cheese. Mm, a little okay, surprise yeah. there, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I have you guys on the fence, maybe, on that oh, one. Got to try it. Okay. <laughs> Frozen sweet corn. It honestly it tastes as good as fresh, and it's definitely better than the canned. So to cook it from frozen, a lot of people think you have to boil it. You don't need to. Just pour the frozen corn into a pan, saute it with some salted butter. Yes. You are done, right? It's, it's so, so good. easy. Like, it's so fast. Well, it's I, so I fast. sometimes well, Corn, steam. it just is... Yeah. Corn's just a whole meal. Like, it's so tasty. Sorry, go ahead, Ron. It steam. is. I know. I was just going to say, sometimes I steam, and honestly, it's like two seconds. It, mm -hmm. there's, yeah. there's nothing... There's nothing to it, but it mm -hmm. just tastes so good. Um, and it just, try making maybe a creamy little warming corn chowder with it. That's always nice. Ooh. Oh, boy. Even with fish, yeah. right? Like a nice, you know, fish oh, yeah. chowder. Oh, good heavens with corn. So good. It just, it adds that little touch of sweetness to it, which is what you want. Yep. Next one I want to talk about is spinach. It's yes. one of the best frozen vegetables to have in your freezer. There's a lot of reasons, but it's its flavor is more intense than the fresh. And then you need quite a bit of fresh spinach in any dish that you make. So cook the spinach in a deep pan with a little bit of cream, some Parmesan, a little bit of olive oil, your favorite pasta. It makes the perfect weeknight meal. Now, I know, Kelly, I'm sorry I'm mentioning a lot of pasta, but we can turn that up. You know what? Switch that up. Instead of pasta, put chicken. Mm -hmm. And it tastes just as good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and like right? you said, and it's a it's perfect weeknight meal. There's more flavor. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So if you have that flavor combo, swap out the pasta for a little bit of chicken. It's just so good. I know, and then it's great for smoothies. Were you going to say smoothies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was. I was, was going to say frozen spinach and frozen kale somehow work better for smoothies in terms of texture and taste as well. I don't know if that's just placebo, but I feel like if you're trying to make your smoothie greener, uh, buying these things frozen just helps out so much. It, it seems to be it what really people does. recommend, isn't it, Mary? Yeah. They do, and I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I do find that I it's easier on my belly. Uh, yep. What I do buy them yep. frozen. I don't know if they parboil it, if that's the reason why. The there's yeah. something, yeah. Uh, there's something there that, that they're doing that just helps me to just makes it a little easier. Because when you eat the, the fresh, sometimes it could be a little harsh in your stomach, mm -hmm. depending if you're very sensitive. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what else you can do with them with uh, frozen spinach? Put it in a pan, a little bit of olive oil, saute it, chili flakes, a bit of tomato paste, white kidney beans. Mm. Oh, it is great for a side, a main dish, if you want it with some crusty bread. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Give us one I mention more. peas. Yeah, peas, peas. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why I want to mention it, because quickly blanching peas after harvest, then flash freezing them, it was discovered back in the 1920s. So to keep their flavor and vivid green color, that's what they would do. To this day, peas are frozen within a few hours of harvest. 
So they are fresher than any that you would actually buy. So try them maybe in a quiche saute with some onions, a little bit of mushroom. It's delicious. Delicious. Oh, frozen cauliflower rice, frozen avocado. I have to squeeze that one in because this is a staple in my freezer. Frozen avocados, they have a significantly longer shelf life compared to fresh ones, right? Because the fresh avocados, they come right in quickly, sometimes within a day or two, right? So it makes it challenging to use them all up. Like we mentioned before, Kelly, it's just, you can't use it all up no, and they become no. overripe and then you end up losing them. Um, yeah. So turn them into dressing, thaw them out, thaw out the avocado, add some ingredients like olive oil, garlic, some lemon juice, a little herbs, get a little creamy dressing there, put on some bowls. It's just so good. So hungry. Yep. Oh my, I didn't yeah. know a conversation about frozen fruits and veggies would make me so hungry, but it's like a recipe That's with each that one. Discriminatory people out there towards <sighs> the poor frozen stuff. Oh no. Picking on the frozen goodies. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Good luck with the Halloween prep. I'm going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Mamalidi uh, joins us on Thursdays, first of all, at the start of the second hour to talk all things food. And if you go to kitchenconfession.com, there are more discussions and recipes and links to her podcast, Kitchen Confession. There's just so much out there if you're talking food and want to get to know food more. After the break, we have Accessible Gaming with Marcus McCracken. He's talking about a couple things, including the newest NHL video game and some of his thoughts on accessibility features or lack thereof. We'll be back with that convo on Kelly and Ramia. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. We're back with Kelly and Ramya. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Amadhan joining you here. And uh, we're getting through a lot of fun content today. Frozen foods, or frozen fruits and vegetables was our last convo with Mary Mamaliti. And I would say, Kel's spinach and avocado. Yep. Just yep. total staples well, in the freezer. And they're the unsung heroes that you don't yes, yes. hear a lot about, especially in the frozen. I never really thought about more tasty with spinach. I like spinach, but I do will be the first to say. It's the intense flavors. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have as much taste to it, but frozen? Yeah. Hmm. And also with... I'll have to check that out. Frozen spinach, they've done all the hard work for you, you know, like the chopping yes. and the thing, and it comes in a, in a way that you can use it versatilely for just sautéing, for... Um, uh, throwing into smoothies as they are, yep. like, it's so easy. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful, and especially and become so popular. Well, as as, as you know, your squash has, especially you get oh, your squash yeah. cubes and pieces. That's what I haven't There's tried just yet. So much. Oh, squash Gotta is wonderful. Frozen. Uh, folks, it's time to switch gears from the frozen food, but we 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 will stay on the ice one way or another. On the second Thursday of the month, we get Accessible Gaming with Marcus McCracken. Marcus, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you, buddy. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be back. I'm very good. How are you guys? Doing well. So far, pretty good. We've had the Halloween and, of course, mix everything in always, as usual, no matter what we're talking about, food. So <laughs> <laughs> so we're happy campers. Um, Marcus, what are you gaming this month? Um. Well, what I'm addicted to right now, we'll talk about next month. So I tried NHL 24. Okay. Oh. On the Xbox, which <laughs> I uh, thought you were gonna I, say no <laughs> comment. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I was like, Marcus, don't do that to us. And now, guys, thank you. I'll see you later. <laughs> I almost would, but I'm trying it a different way this year. Uh, as far as the accessibility goes, all the basics are there. So from your screen reader, which I will touch base on in a minute, 
to, to your colorblind modes, uh, you can enlarge the players on the ice, enlarge the puck, oh. uh, certain things like that, which is great because I use them all. Unfortunately, the screen reader does not read all the menus. So once I leave the accessibility and want to go select the team, oh. I'm pretty much guessing what I'm doing. Oh. I did reach out to one of my contacts, so he's going to, when he has time, look on the PlayStation version and see if it's any different. But oh. I decided to try goalie mode. Okay. Because they've got a new feature. If your goalie leaves the crease, he will come back to the net. All right. I um, I lost my first game, but I managed to keep it within a goal. So I'm going to play with that some more. Is so, goalie mode like uh, something that people turn on and off for you know, ease of gaming? Or what is it? No. When you select a game mode, um, say exhibition, you have the option to lock a player. So instead of right. playing all the players, you can just select, say, goalie. So that's what right. I did. I see, I see. And for you, goalie, because he returns, you don't have to worry about that element of where the heck is he or how quickly you get back, leaving that your, your, your net open. Which I always had issues with, yeah. Okay. So yeah. now right. he'll just okay. return for me. So you can use that as an accessibility. Uh, I'm hoping, and yeah. Play that, okay. And play that position. And again, not necessarily helping you with more accessibility for the other positions, whether you want to play yeah, left or right you? winger or something. Can you play? You can lock return? Him. Can you lock him? You can lock them, but the way my vision works, that if, because hockey is so fast-paced, it, it's going to take a little tuning to do. So I'm going to just try goalie so I can actually enjoy hockey again, like the video games. Yeah. Sure. Right. So we'll try right. goalie first. You mentioned like the vision enhancement stuff they have going, uh, like in, uh, what do you call it, magnifying the puck, magnifying the players, making everybody feel a little bigger. Is there anything else that they haven't done with that stuff that they should, like the goal net bigger or something? No, I haven't seen a net get bigger as of yet. I like to see them start using audio cues within the games. Mm -hmm. okay. They've done that on the last two games that I've played. Even if it's like a single uh, annoying beep, if you go offside, that way we would know we need to turn around. Yep, yep. Right, yep. Uh, how is the actual like audio that. of the game generally? The audio is excellent. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Do you get a lot of panicking? Go ahead, go ahead, guys. Sorry, sorry. I'm just eager to ask something that kind of confuses me. Okay, just really quick. Um, do you hear where the puck is and things like that in relation to um, yourself or just in general the game? Is there any of that audio cues that's helpful? It would be. Uh, that's something I'm going to test with goalie mode because you only have one spot on the ice, so you got to pay extra attention to where the other team is. I was able to navigate where the puck sliding was when I was playing uh, just a regular player last Good. year. So okay, that is it's all a matter though. of how you use your hearing, yes. Yeah. Right, yep. And I, like like you, think that there's so much you can do with audio cues. So something that seems to me simple to fix or even to avoid happening is losing that ability with the screen reader going into those menus. Uh, Marcus, do you think easy fix? How come this is the way that is? You would think they've gone through the efforts putting the screen reader in. How does this kind of problem occur? Uh, has it been overlooked in some way for some reason? I honestly would love to know that answer because um, Madden 24 and 23 and 22, I believe, the screen reader reads every menu that I needed. So I was able to go into an exhibition, select my team, and know exactly what I was selecting without... Yeah using any extra magnification so i'm not sure what the issue is when it comes to nhl and madden because they're both the same developers different team but same developers which is electronic arts interesting 
and a very interesting sane developer. Oh, wow. Uh, for you, are, are you the sports fan? Is that why? What intrigues you? You've got football, hockey, and right now you're kind of lukewarm on your hockey just due to that uh, inaccessibility. What, why do you choose these kind? I've been playing hockey games since the PlayStation days, so NHL okay. 94 to 97. So I've always, wow. it was like a year, every year thing where I would just buy the new game. And if I can get back into it, the better. Uh, football, yep. it's there because it's very playable including on field so that's why i keep going to football yeah were you are you a football fan or really the, really as a gamer you're the football game fan i am a super bowl fan so i will okay. take the best two teams <laughs> and hope for a good super bowl right <laughs> okay um do you have any thoughts on just the like earlier when i was teasing the segment on now with dave brown our morning show um dave was saying that nhl used to be accessible then it wasn't for a bit and now he's not sure what the current iteration of it holds for accessibility do you find the inconsistency uh, with this game or with any other game you want to shout out to be absolutely annoying the the lack of screen reader avail availability that's really annoying as far as accessibility in the nhl's up until three years ago, I never knew it existed within the game. When right. the, the yep. game would load up, the screen reader would just, it would play, but it was a, um in-game commentary voice, so I never thought nothing else of it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Uh, how about it's the PlayStation 5? Do you want to talk about that? The PlayStation 5 has a new update as of last month. It now offers the co-pilot feature, which you can connect to. Uh, two controllers will active one, so it still has the same feature as the Xbox. So I could have my wife help me out with a couple games or whoever is around, which is really cool. I just need to have another controller. Um, the Access controller, which comes out in December, which is the PlayStation's version of the adaptive controller for accessibility. I will be able to talk about that. I have one on pre-order, so I'll be doing a few reviews on that one as well. Good. So when you're going out to buy, uh, what are some of the things that somebody else who's saying, like myself, gee, man, this might be really interesting. I'm kind of curious what you find that you're looking for that intrigues you into a game. I, obviously, accessibility comes into play, but you've also grown up without it and yes. adapted in one way or another. Do you find that you do less of that now because you don't have to because of accessibility? Um, or when you still look for a game as first, this sounds interesting to me despite there may not be as much accessibility or has that kind of swayed you totally it kind of varies because i like a good story now as opposed mm. to staying to all the sports and wrestling games um the last of us part two was a good example of that when i f realized i was able to play a video game thanks to steve sailor i studied that game before when i purchased it i wanted to make sure it was going to be worth the money watched all kinds of videos so i kind of study them not as much as I used to, but now it's pretty much if it's got a good story and there's something in there that might help me, regardless if it's just in the settings or or accessibility in general, then I'll yeah. I'll give it a try, especially yeah. if it's wow. on Game Pass or a free trial. And nowadays, Marcus, like there's so much availability of that, right? You can really study a game, as you said, or get the reviews on it and really get to know a game inside out and make the decision that way uh, compared to, you know, 
before the live streaming, before Twitch, before social medias and all these kind of review opportunities, you would just buy the game and check it out and then if it sucks, it sucks, or if it's not accessible, it's not accessible. Back in the day, go to yeah. a store and then let's see if they'd let you demo yeah. it at the store. Oh, was exactly. About the most you could do, or right? you try to get now, the most out of the employees, and they're like, "I don't know what you're talking about accessibility." That's <laughs> it. Now you can actually go on there and watch stream somebody playing it. Have you found many disabled gamers that you zero in on because you know that guy's got money? He's going to go out buy the latest game and try to figure it out and spend days and days in his basement doing it. As far as um that part of the community goes i really only follow steve sailor and brandon cole because right yep they've been doing it for a long time and i i trust their reviews on the accessibility with that said i will still try a game because uh, how they play and i play are two different issues so it varies depending on the person but for accessibility reviews i tend to go to those two all the time when you're um listening to or experiencing some kind of like twitch or other live stream of people playing uh, or even with these, you know, YouTube uh, videos of like reviews of play, is it in stereo? Like, can you get a really good idea of the sound and the panning and um, binaural audio with these things? My setup is in stereos. I have surround sound on my TV, so I hear everything all the way on my room. So that's not an issue. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. F yeah. Five speakers tends to do wonders. Oh, yeah. And that brilliant. is really the way to learn it because of what we're talking about in using that audio. On Twitch, we should shout out to the fact you're on there, of course. And what's new and what can we expect from you out there? Uh, I will be streaming a lot of Forza soon, which will we talk about next month. Uh, just right now, I'm still testing the bases on Twitch. I do have a few games on there. Um, it's all learning. So, yeah, just look for a lot of streaming to search for Get Back Into the Game on Twitch and look forward to next month's episode. Yeah. How complicated well, is it? It's not that complicated. I can Twitch right from my console. Um, it goes right to Twitch. I just have not set up an audio feed. So right now I'm just concentrating on the streaming part of it mm -hmm. as opposed to communicating and playing at the same time. It might be a little bit more difficult yes. as for a rookie. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you need to remember to do yeah. both. <laughs> but that's part of the fun, too, I'm sure, for other people who see you doing it or learn. Look at this guy. He's, you know, it, it can be pretty inspiring and hearing you talk this way, for sure, with the folks out there that are interested. Marcus, we'll do this again next month. Absolutely. I look forward to it. We get Accessible Gaming with Marcus McCracken on the uh, second Thursday of the month. Always so much cool stuff. Follow him along on there and uh, uh, get to know him. And uh, he's got some, some great ideas, to, stuff we know ahead to share with us here on the program. Cool talking about the consoles because the same way we talk about, you know, the iPhone and the Mac and other mm. things that you can like mainstream tech where uh, you could just jump in on a sighted person's device and say, hey, turn on voiceover and I can use this device the same way as you. Yeah, same thing. thing, right? It's such shared ideas. Yes. It's just such shared content that years ago, everybody worked on their own thing just so that they might make a sale or because, well, we have to be nice and provide something. Now we're using the same software, the base, oh, gosh, the, yeah. the, you know, to be able to do this and applying it here to a phone yeah. over here to a gaming it's wonderful yeah. you can walk over to someone's house and play video games with them that's right the and when you start beating them they tell you get out and walk home yeah right <laughs> it's all right i'll go back to my own ps5 thank you that's right all right and my gonna... five speakers Surround. exactly i have none of those by the way i'm just living vicariously through you guys <laughs> after the break we have our weekly roundtable conversation kelly has picked out some topics some clips that he wants to get to 
Uh, he made some hints, so I don't know. Sports is probably coming up. Brock Richardson is joining us as well for that roundtable. We'll be back. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Remia on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. You might be listening to a repeat of the show. You might also be listening to the podcast. We are available on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Kelly and Ramia, and you can find the content on demand. We have the full show available for you every day, uploaded. And as well, we have the segments cut out and uh, chopped and uploaded for you there as well that you can download yourself, you can subscribe to the podcast, turn on the auto-downloads feature, so every day you've got Kelly and Romeo in your feed. Kelly, Filling up you? your drive <laughs> on your phone. So it just gets ridiculous, Filling then you begin cloud. to resent us. Why can't I put anything else on here? Get it lost! Anymore? Come on. Well, it's a cloud with clouds of drive. What do you think? I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to think I about know. the 256 GB anymore, though. That's helpful. Gigab- Folks, it's time to get into our discussions as we do every week at this time on The Roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, (laughs) I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. You know, you sit there and think, I'm going to get a 15 plus phone and wait for the sale where you get a 15 along with it to hand out to somebody else. Is that what your plan one day is, Richardson? Sure. Get a free phone. I would love that. Alongside. <laughs> he was confused. So, He's like, uh, I don't know. So would your wife. It sounded like a scam. Yeah, I know. She would, it, she would love that. Listen. I know. I was very skeptical of this whole beginning of this thing, but yeah. You didn't want to agree. Yeah, I, I felt that. Okay I felt that because no, it there was also, a hesitation. To me, sounded there like was a hesitation. You were trying That's to plan all. some scam and. You don't want to agree to that on air. Richardson, get that 15-plus phone. You can have that. I'll take the 15. Okay. Just so I have another one. Um, Brock, you enjoy going to Family Feud. Canada, that is. What cool behind-the-scenes thing can you tell us about? Since your season has wrapped, you've gone to 592 uh, episodes. Oh, my goodness. All right, what's the real number? (laughs) 490? No, it's 200. You're, you're, That's you're a still little, insane. You're a little yeah, heavy on the number. Yeah, just just slightly <laughs> ahead of our time, right? It's a bull of a watch. Um, so did you actually see 200 filmed? Or is that the length of the season? Yes, over five years, though. Over five years. Oh, okay. It was not like 201 <laughs> seasons. It was over five years. Not, yeah. not just one season, yeah. right? Okay, okay. It was just uh, so, the a bit much. No, no. So in that yeah. time, you've gleaned some behind-the-scenes information as you've gotten friendly with the team, the crew, and everything like that. What surprising thing can you tell a in here that you've learned? So you learn all kinds of things. You learn the way that they do things. Like, I like to play along with, no, they're going to redo that because of X, Y, Z, because somebody didn't come up to the podium fast enough. Somebody wasn't at the microphone the way they should have been. I really like to play along with them, and they and I started to figure out, like, oh, they're going to do this because of that. However, I will tell you this because it will not be aired on uh, on TV. But they had a Greek family on our final day of recording, and the Greek family wanted to smash plates as they do in their in their heritage, and they spent 20 minutes to determine... <laughs> 
whether or not they could smash the plates on the floor when they won the money and et cetera, et cetera. And needless to tell you that they never actually smashed the plates on the recording. So they spent all this time, you know, discussing whether or not they could or couldn't. And it never happened. So it was wow. That was the only time. Not I've even ever off the set myself. where we, or not well, even a darn sound giant effect. Giant Smash. <laughs> yeah. That is a wow. long no. time. No, they, they they didn't just want to veto it. Yeah. They wanted to like it actually was... talk through the opportunities and the different options, and then at the end say, "No, this whole thing is a bad idea. Let's not." <laughs> and the cleanup, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, they did it like as a trial thing and they were like, let's see what happens when they do this. And then it's like, what happens is the plate's going to smash and it's going to go all over the place. <laughs> the and then when they did that, it was, it was like, oh, this is too much. Uh, this is, this is too much to think about. So they never did it. Any but of us could have told yeah, you that. I mean, it's, it's the small things like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It was. Yeah, but I just, I enjoy it. And it's, people will often say, why do you do that? But it is truly because of the stuff you do not see on television that I enjoy to watch. Yeah. Other than wasting 20 minutes talking about breaking a plate that we never ultimately did, but whatever. Mm -hmm. A shard of that's going to hit that poor guy in the wheelchair. Let's not do it. Ramya, do you, um, is there anything like that behind the scenes that you've been privy to when, uh, at a filming of something or a radio show airing that you kind of like have had that ability, you know, time in life to see, be a part of? I don't think so. Like, not that I can think of. I would love to go for a taping of something like this game shows because I think it would be hilarious to get that, you know, the effect that you're talking about, Brocky, which is, you know, everybody sees what's on TV, but nobody really knows unless you're there in person what the the creation the process of magic of tv actually looks like right uh but you know kelly like we've been part of different things like i was part of the ami tv oh what is that show called now the the food competition show the menu um i know menu meltdown menu or something no. i want to call it menu matchup is that menu right? matchup yeah you're right oh, yeah yeah, I was going to say you really uh, that now they're <laughs> revoking your ep they're revoking the episode she was yeah. in. They're removing it off the they're app taking now. Taking it off. Oh my god. Get no, sorry. Out of she can't matchup, remember. Please. Um, where you know everything was proper in terms of you know a thirty minute clock was a thirty minute clock all the above, but there were things that you had to keep in mind like. Hey, we're going to cut to this, and so you have to talk like it's happening in real time, and don't say, we did this half an hour ago, because that's not the way it's going to air on TV. Right. Uh, you know, stuff like that, where you're like, oh, that's what that means. Like, how, this is how they do it on the cooking shows, or reality TV, that kind of stuff. I think it's it's interesting, yeah. and when Brock said that, that it's so cool I mean, to be able to, you know, see that. It's fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kelly, I'll give you an example as I'm sitting here. Like, one of the small things, and if anyone's seen, you know, Fast Money, they, at the end of the show, they get to ask five questions in 20 seconds, and then you determine what the survey is. It's something as simple as when we see it on TV, as soon as that 20 seconds is done, they say, turn around, let's reveal the answers. Well, that's not how it happens in real time. They have to actually load the answers into the computer, which takes a couple of minutes to do that. And there's certain things that in the game that they won't allow to happen because it changes the integrity of the game or so on and so forth. So maybe they have to reload a question. But even the small little pickups that they do, their, their warm-up guy will say, this doesn't, you know, 
impact the integrity of the game. It just means that they might have wanted more audio, more more angle of something different. And, and like even waiting for the answers to come up on the board can sometimes take upwards to 30 seconds because they need it for the editing purposes or the judges are trying to determine if the answer that they gave might mix with something else. Like there's all kinds of things that happen mm. uh, in the in the hour and a half to record one game that you yes. you wouldn't think about. But there's the entertainment. It's so entertaining. Yep. Well, oh, well, that's it. And uh, exactly. And I think those of us in media, we love it. Right. Uh, and look out Beverly Hills, because if Brock ever moves there, he'll be going to uh, prices right constantly. Guys, let's uh, jump into this one here. Canadian universities bet big on international students, but are having to navigate uh, a lot of things. Uh, geo, geo global uh, political and economic trends and oh I didn't format this my apologies guys uh, but let's take a listen on the comments here, here which come out of the fact that there these schools have to take on so many things to figure out because there are so many students that these uh, um, colleges and universities have to take into account take a listen I think universities are always aware that it's it's you know it's never a good idea to focus solely on one country of origin, and so they've really done a great job of expanding into new places. We really hope to see a lot of growth in, in Latin America and Africa and the Middle East. I think there's lots of new opportunities out there as things change globally. Graham Barber from the advocacy group uh, says that Canadian schools have been looking to diversify among the most popular schools in Canada, of course, with this. Uh, and mainly we're talking China and, and India. Um, guys, I, I know from my own self, my experience here in London, I have noticed how often and how many students come from other countries. And it's kind of tough right now. We know we're having a lot of political strife, whether it be with India or with China right now. And I know numbers have really dropped in the last four or five years, and a lot of that due to money. Ramya, being in school, being in Toronto and in school, I'm certainly sure you see a reflection of this, and I know sometimes it might be hard to know, hey, as somebody from another country coming here for this September semester, or are they someone whose family's here that came maybe, you know, a generation ago? Yeah, exactly. Um, there are a lot more just international student population, obviously, and then the the kind of challenges that come it's not just things like fees right the international student um tuition versus somebody who's able to join locally it's also housing it's also uh, other kinds of accommodations it's also right. the work um permits and visas and things that come with you know people want to work while they're in school year like you're not just chilling and it's difficult um i think that a lot of the the curriculums and such do uh, adapt or can um, understand like there's a lot that comes with the nuanced you know we're not we have to be able to understand that there is more than just the hey this is school school to school for everybody no I think school really changes on all these levels that I mentioned and more depending on who you're bringing in who's coming in for the educational um, endeavors Brock, you and I are, uh, again, here in London, I can say that I see so many multicultural now, but there was a time that wasn't so. Um, you're in the Kitchener area. You, you grew up in Brampton area. When you were in school, um, did you see a lot of what we're talking about? Because a lot of those people would be more people who have come to Canada, called, calling this their home, not planning to go back to whatever country they were from. This is where they call home. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, in in both cases when I was, um, you know, when I did post-secondary and even before that, I think a lot of what I heard and understood was like, you know, Canada is such a great place and Canada is such the place I want to be and I want to learn and I want to do this and I and and this school is recognized for this or that or whatever the case is, right? And so Canada should be very proud of the fact that we do have vast numbers of ethnicities that come to our country that want to be part of our school system. And I think the thing that came to my mind as Romeo was talking is that we can't sit here and say, well, we're we're unfamiliar with accommodation because I don't care who you are. Every person needs an accommodation no matter what it is, whether it's English isn't your first language Mm. or you have a learning disability or whatever. We should be so familiar with being able to to say, okay, Mm -hmm. this person's from this country. We need to change our, not not our curriculum, but change it so that they can understand it and read it and comprehend it. For, For me, I look at this and say, yeah, this is just secondhand because we know about all the accommodations that are required in, in the Canadian school system. You would think it would be our way overall. Thanks, guys. Let's, I want to kind of continue this one. It's sort of on the, the same vein. The Nobel Prize in economics was awarded to a Harvard professor for her research into employment um, and gender. Claudia Golden has won the Nobel Economics Prize for her research that advances understanding the gender gap in the labor market, something she says the U.S. was once the leader in. Our labor force participation rate for women was the highest in the world, Hmm. and now it isn't the highest in the world. Golden found various factors for this after research spanning 200 years, mainly. There are an interaction between what happens in the home and what happens in the labor market. The 77-year-old is just the third woman to win the Nobel Economics Prize. I'm Julie Walker. So as an old radio show fan, we hear the place that um, the woman had in the home back in the 1940s, Homemaker. Ramya, I I find it interesting because you start thinking, as we've talked about that glass ceiling for executives and so on, but I find it fascinating when I hear some of these things. It's sort of like if a male and female are driving, generally it's the male who drives. There are some of these things that I see in in couples and you wonder, does that still go into the household? Oh, Does it go into the workplace? Absolutely. And it would seem it does. Absolutely it does, because we're, you know, you have to factor in um, all kinds of things like religious practices and beliefs that are still out there, traditions that are still out there, something as broad as, you know, how we live here in North America or in parts of popular North America are not how things are run in other parts of the world. And, you know, we are not the only ones out here, right? We are only uh, managing a certain a percentage of the the kind of lifestyles that we want to say are progressive and you know moving forward and all yeah. this stuff it is so large kelly the conversations around this and we can of course be very narrow-minded and have the um, tunnel vision to think that oh yes no we're making such difference but also if we just widen the scope a little tiny bit there's so much more that we obviously don't consider on a daily yeah yeah, it really does, and it, it kind of throws me off because of the way the heads think or what we divert back to. Now I'm going to jump off this because I want to take a moment with Brock. Brock, fast, quick answers on this one. This is a baseball-related. I want thoughts on your f- feelings 
when it comes to success or failure to these teams' postseason runs in the postseason race? Failure. Uh-huh. Why? You, you get off to a 13-0 record, that is, and you don't go further as you should, that's a complete failure. Okay. We know injuries had something to do with them uh, finishing the season tough. Brewers. Um, success, I think, just barely. Okay. All right. I'm going to leave that one. Marlin, uh, sorry, uh, Marlins. Um, probably another failure. I think that they should have gone further than what they did. Okay. Blue Jays. Oh, complete failure. <laughs> complete <laughs> failure from top to bottom. This is a team that should have, should have been in the World Series, plain and simple. Okay. Yeah. I'll leave that with you in case you have more to say on your segment tomorrow. But very quickly, Dodgers or Twins uh, and Orioles, pick your one. Which ones are the failures? Which ones are, are, can say, hey, not a bad season? Dodgers, again, complete failure. But this is over and over again, a complete failure with them. They have a great season, and then they just poop the bed in the playoffs. The Orioles, young team, they are going to be here to stay. So for me, that's a uh, success for them this year, even though they had aspirations moving forward. But I think all in all, when everybody steps back, they're going to say that was a that was a success for this team. And Twins as well? You feel the same about them? Uh, twins... I guess you could say it was a uh, no I would I'm gonna go with failure but just barely a failure I think they should have gotten a little bit further than they did this year I think they could have given the Astros a bit more of a run than they did this year and I think I would stretch that one to just a slight failure Brock Richardson joining us on the roundtable. We'll talk sports with him tomorrow in a little more detail when he joins us here on the program we do the roundtable every week at this time thanks Brock Thank you. I hand over to you. Ren. Oh, yeah. Sorry. My goodness. I was really looking forward to you going to extra the segment. We'll be back. We're going to wrap up the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, unbelievable. Just staring at the screen. Uh, we will be back to wrap up the show. We got a closing moment for you. We're going to tell you what's coming up on now with Dave Brown, the Friday edition. My God, I feel flustered extraing this segment and wrap up the show, of course. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. No, I didn't say this earlier, but um, at one point today, I almost called us Kelly and Company. Having a serious What's wrong with that? That was a great name. It was a great name. It was an awesome name to the show. It was fantastic. Yeah. Kelly Coe. Kelly Co. Yeah. Oh, I do miss Excuse writing me. Kelly Co. in our emails. Are though. you the company of the <laughs> Kelly Co. show? 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 <laughs> right. But yeah, no, seriously, I was going to say Kelly and Company. And also, oh, it might be because earlier I was sending out a, an email, like a blast email to our contributors. And I used to love writing Kelly Co. there. And now. Kelly Co. team. Kelly Co. Now team. Kelly Co. family. Team. Now it's KR. K- yeah. Oh, I get rid K-N-R. of the end. I was looking for the end. It's just KR now. KR. KR. <laughs> 
care. They're gonna. You keep reducing us down. The the, the higher ups are gonna say. So do you guys mind if we reduce down your pay? <laughs> no, no, not correlated. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, we have a podcast available for you. Quick reminder: you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Search for Kelly and Ramya over there. Segments as well as full show podcast available for you. Now with Dave Brown, our morning show on AMI TV is also available on Pod. But you can of course check them out live at 9 a.m. Eastern time on weekdays with Dave Brown and the company. What's coming up on the Friday edition, Kels? Don't do that. Dave Brown and the company. Dave's going to like, no, no, that's not what it's called. Uh, Well, on their program tomorrow, the Friday news panel gets together as journalists Michelle McQuig and Joey DeGuta from the polls get together with Dave to discuss some of the stories from the week. A recent report says that Canada could lead the world in oil production growth in 2024. The panel asks how that uh, statistic can be reconciled when both the public and private sector are working to combat climate change. Amanda Shikarchi will have the entertainment report. Greg David from the Marcom department will give a preview of what viewers can find on the upcoming season of AMI-TV's Disrupt. All tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. on AMI-TV. Oh, lots going on there and so much in Mm -hmm. entertainment as we found out with Corinne Van Dusen yesterday. So Amanda will keep us posted. Um, Did you know, for our closing moment, roller coasters were invented to attract, not detract, <laughs> to distract Americans from sin. Oh, that whole context would be flipped if I said attract. So, oh, roller coasters. Sure. Um, what happened was, in the 1880s, a businessman, posery businessman, Lamarcus Thompson, hated that Americans were tempted by hedonistic places like saloons and brothels, so he set out to straighten up one of the most uh, sinful places he could think of, you can never guess. Coney Island in New York. There he built America's first roller coaster to give New Yorkers some good, clean fun away from seedier pastimes. I think that's the best story ever. Um, (laughs) I was saying that I don't think it worked because, you know, I just don't think that America or Canada, for that matter, is a less sinful place. But roller coasters really kicked off, huh? I love the idea of Coney Island because isn't that where the hot dog championship is done? The Nathan's hot <laughs> dog thing. And you think seedy and hot dogs and oh. roller coaster. Eat your hot dog. Get on the roller coaster. Have fun. Talk about a mess. Gross. But yeah, seriously, though, I love lo- roller coasters. So when I found this weird fun fact, I was thinking, wow, I didn't even know the origins were so pure in nature. Um, let's tell people what's coming up tomorrow on Kelly and Rumia Friday edition. Can't believe we're, all, we're already almost on Friday. Android 14 is now available to download on Pixel devices and John Beeler is going to tell us more on the app update. On the Chatty Bookshelf, Ryan Huey tells us about how you can listen to audiobooks using any Android uh, 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 smartwatch and you can do it without being tethered to your phone. Rum! All right. Bye for now. We'll see you at 2 p.m. Eastern. Talking art on the show today reminds me of the first kind of decision that I made (laughs) to bring art into my home. I'm such a minimalist and I cannot make this any more of an overstatement. Like, I 
don't have anything on my walls. Well, now I do, but there was a time when I didn't have anything on my walls and my brother would come over and he'd say, you really need some help with interior decoration. And I thought, fine, go for it. And uh, so we started talking art and pieces and accent colors and accent walls and sizes and scope and lighting and what time of day this mood would, or this art would put you into this mood. And really it was just quite overwhelming. I have no interest in color. I had no interest in art at all. And I was like, if I can't feel it, then who am I really pleasing with this art on my wall? But anyway, eventually he got to me and just I think what intrigued me the most was his descriptions of different art pieces, paintings and uh, such mostly that he would describe and it would sound like something I could connect to, you know? Oh, I like that. Yeah, I usually love enjoying sitting by a lake and watching the water. So why not have something like that on my wall? Or he would describe colors and patterns made of combinations of different colors and the kind of language that he would use, like waves or swirls or rigid lines or striking. And I thought, oh, I could connect this way. You know, at the end of the day, it's all subjective and very much visually subjective. But I think that I have a reasonable amount of art now in my home that feels like it represents me. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.